Hello and welcome to Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly. My name is Victor Sosa, joined as always by the legend Les Thatcher. Last edition of 2022, so I think unlike previous last editions of the year, Les, I've actually done a little homework this time, patting myself on the back. And I You're have, man. Uh, thank you, I have put together a number of uh, items that were big over the course of the year. So this is going to be something of a year in review show, just highlighting a few big topics from each quarter of the year. But before we get into any of that, I know you had a chance to catch at least a little bit of dynamite while you've been on holiday, as they say. So uh, some quick thoughts on anything you had the chance to take a look at in terms of dynamite. Well, I think with dynamite, I think the main event was the best match on the show. And I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with me, but uh, I, I just, you know, I thought it was. And, and young, you know, the young people working like that with Joe, they're going to improve. Uh, I thought the angle was good, especially telling me that uh, Dar- we're going to Darby's hometown uh, next week. So that you know that made more sense than the fact that two two hundred and fifty plus guys, all of a sudden a hundred and seventy pound guy, <laughs> made him cringe. So anyway, I'm looking for common sense, aren't I? Stop less. You, you come to quit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought you know. Uh, that the best of seven is going seven. You and I knew that almost, knew, you know, predicted that before the, they started, and which is fine. And I'm sure the fans of that are just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. But I thought, you know, the show overall, I, I think uh, Jungle Boy with Hook as a team, I, yeah, I, I see some uh, quite a bit of value in that. Um, and I think. Yeah, again, you know, and we can get into the things uh, over the year, you know, but like I said to you before we started recording, I think overall in the industry this past year, the weak things were more the build, too. You know, tell, I mean, if you read books, you, the reason you go from page one to page 400 or whatever is because they're building the story as you go. And obviously, <clears throat> to get the full effect, you've got to go all the way to the end. The same with a good movie, a good TV series. And I think uh, too much in general. Uh, professional wrestling has become professional high spots and quick pops. And uh, I think somebody put well, and except for WWE, the bloodline story obviously is, you know, been the story for me anyway um, over the entire year. But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought uh, Dynamite was, uh, you know, uh, was a uh, entertaining show. And, uh, you know, the numbers, it was, it's a holiday week and all, and that, I think, touches it on it some, too. What I see with them is probably in the new town, town they're going to cities that they've never been to before. So with feeding them three years or two years of TV or however long they've been in that market television-wise, they should draw without question. But I think unless they, you know, start telling a, 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 some stories with more detail, The towns are repeating in. I think they're going to see a little, you know, fall down. But hey, that's just business as it is. So, so anyway, I like your idea that you spent time to put this in quarters here. And by God, I wouldn't waste a minute of it. So let's go with that. (laughs) 
All right, let's do it. It's a bit of a 2022 rewind to wrap up the year here at Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly. I broke the year down into quarters going through some of the big headlines. So we'll start with the first quarter of the year, which is from January through March. And probably the biggest story was John Moxley making his return from rehab. And goodness, not only was it a wonderful personal choice, obviously, for him, Les, but let's talk a little bit about the year he's had since his return, the changes in his life, but also... I think if you were looking for somebody who would be the MVP of AEW this year, it's Moxley. Yeah, I would think so too. I mean, he has uh, now our, our mutual friend Corny would, you know, said, well, yeah, and, and his he's a brawler at this point. Uh, as I've said before, I know he can work. Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't be so supportive. But um, yes, uh, he has produced every time they've asked him to. Uh, he has, as a tag team partner, as a single guy, uh, he has worked with young guys who, you know, he obviously should learn, they should learn from him and uh, with top talent. And uh, I think he's, uh, give us a, you know, uh, I, I don't grade scars, but, you know, if you're grading scars, I'd say a, a three to five star performance every time he stepped in the ring. I would say so. And we'll get into this in a little greater detail uh, as we move along our year in review. But in terms of being the MVP, I mean, not only has he had matches that people wanted to see, multiple time champion during the year, and one of those reigns really bailed this company out of a very difficult position, which we'll get to later. Uh, in terms of some of the other stuff that happened during the first quarter of the year, while we're on the subject of AEW, let's talk about Tony Khan. And again, this is something else we'll get into as the year progresses, but uh, it was during this first quarter year that he bought Ring of Honor. Obviously, the library is a wonderful asset to have. But then you get into the whole thing of trying to run two promotions at once, and the year ended. Of course, we'll circle back around to this, but the uh, eventual failure to get the TV deal, at least at this point, that he was hoping for. But at the time he made the purchase, you know, we were all asking a question, which I think we're all still asking less, which is running two promotions at one time seems like a bit much. Yes, it certainly does. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's overloaded his, uh, himself, you know, if, if nobody else. But, and, again, uh, one, of, you know, one of my, I won't say disappointments, but if there's anything, a, a downside to AEW, it's like it becomes confusing because uh, of the consistent uh, afterbirth and matches and uh, interference in promos, and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if you're going to have two promotions, then I would think, okay, ROH has a history of like the pure division and that sort of thing. All right, if you're going to do this, uh, Tony, how about this? AEW is your sports entertainment. Chris will love me for that. And Ring of Honor is your wrestling. I mean, the more, not pure necessarily, but more of a pro wrestling style. But in actuality, uh, if you closed your eye, you know, or if you couldn't see the logo, uh, and you know Tony Khan was booking it, would you tell the difference between the two? At the moment, no. Right. And and that would be my, you know, as, again, as somebody who has promoted this book, uh, give, your, give yourself some distinction. Uh, so, yeah, we want to tune into this, we tune in, you know, but if it's all the same, then that means that, uh, okay, if you had, once you get it, or if you get a TV deal for Ring of Honor, then then if it's, if it's basically the same, sh uh, just a different name in the same shows I'm seeing on AEW, well, if I miss this one or I don't record that one, then I'm not missing anything. 
like here uh, for for one week. So that would be if, if I in that position or in anybody in that position. I think you try to make a distinction between the two brands. Well, with respect to the other big issue that I noted in going over 2022 during this first few months of the year, uh, they're kind of related to uh, AEW, but they also have something to do with WWE because we had more cuts in that first quarter. But it was really more that the thing I was looking at in reviewing some of the stories from the time, uh, just how harmonious, of course, the story was about the AEW locker room and that this was the place to be. Everybody got along. Everybody was happy in WWE. Everybody was looking for the exits and hoping to land in AEW because not only was there finally another promotion, but because it seemed like everybody loved everybody and everybody loved Tony. And it's amazing in looking back how much that narrative could have possibly changed and did in the ensuing 11, almost 12 months. Absolutely, yes. Uh, If you had that impression in the first quarter, you certainly did not have that impression in the second quarter, did you? No, no, you most certainly did not. (laughs) (laughs) And all that harmonious uh, feeling, uh, someone must have either fabricated it or or taken it and got rid of it quickly. Yeah, that's there, I think, you know, uh, and not necessarily over, but that was maybe, well, it was the biggest news item, I think, in the industry. You know, the whole punk thing and, and um, the handling of it, and of course, I, I'm still, there's people who say that it's the, it was done the right way, or, you know, uh, but there's going to be speculation, and again, uh, I think uh, Tony Khan, and this is not a knock on him, he's a young man who had never been in that situation, and I don't think it was handled uh, properly. Uh, and it created a lot of uh, confusion, I think. Uh, and it, it, for wrestling, general wrestling fans, uh, it might have been a storyline that actually was never supposed to happen, but at least it, 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 it created uh, some talk about a company uh, inadvertently, I think, don't you? It certainly was the subject of a lot of discussion as the year went on. I mean, and it, it is, as we discussed, amazing how the worm turned in terms of the narrative of that story. But the situation, interestingly enough, of the AEW locker room really was something that was an underlying theme uh, throughout the year. And uh, really, maybe, uh, you know what, you can point to the combination of things here as we move into some of the big stories of the second quarter of the year between April and June. One is the purchase of Ring of Honor, doubling Tony's workload, at least in theory. And then, of course, you had his television partner going through a big corporate merger. Warner Brothers' discovery merger was completed during the second quarter of the year. And one of the things we've really seen there is that, you know, Tony really went from a position of strength with his television partner in terms of having people there who were big fans of his and looking at a potential significant increase in television contract and revenue uh, once this current TV deal was up to seeing just about everybody he had had a great relationship run out of the building and now having basically to start over with a whole new team. And that team, since the merger, has really just started lopping heads in every department and at every network that is under their umbrella. So there's a lot more uncertainty. There was no room at the end from a television perspective for ROH. And, you know, now we have to start wondering, and, and once we saw those heads rolling in all these different places, how that's going to affect AEW's current television deal and how well has Tony ingratiated himself and his company with new ownership? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, and the, uh, a lot of people would say, well, that's, that's connected with the 
in the uh, from the 74 right up until uh, uh, 81 uh, by a couple of different promoters. But the basic thing is that Channel 10 in Knoxville, the uh, sales manager at that time, uh, Lynn Lepper, uh, he jumped on the wrestling bandwagon. He saw that we had a good product, and he made took advantage of it, and he supported it. And which you know was a trickle down throughout the entire uh, you know management uh, team there, and so uh, well uh, you know they they got out and pushed it. They realized they had something to sell. Uh, a quick example of that is when we started on on Channel Ten in the first of 1975, uh, a 30 second commercial you could get for 50 bucks. Uh, within 18 months or a little more. That same 30-second commercial was 250 bucks, and we had two national uh, accounts. One uh, was uh, Dodge Trucks, and I forget what the other one was. It's been too far back. But the thing of it is, the reason we were in that position was because it wasn't, well, the wrestling was good. We felt that you know, the uh, show, the production of the show was a little unique for wrestling at the time, but more importantly, that management and salespeople behind us wanted us there, supported us, and there have been times that we have been on. You know, I've worked with people at, at uh, regional television shows where management looked down their nose. Which actually, at a national level, if we go back to the WCW days, right? I mean, there were executives who were asked to be high up in the WCW hierarchy. Uh, that felt that was the motion that moved me from another department. They didn't know wrestling, didn't want to know wrestling. Yeah, thought it meant so, that they were on their way out of the company. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, so the people behind the scenes who were so supportive of AEW, uh, if, you know, who knows who was who. We obviously don't have a list of the players or, or their feelings about wrestling necessarily. But, you know, the one thing... Um, now, you could tell me more in terms of the timeline, but if we recall, there was a, a time, maybe that in that second quarter, that the new regime did ask them to uh, temper their language. Yes, that so, was probably so, somewhere around the time uh, MJF went off on tone. Yeah, <laughs> it was not, right. you know what? But the funny thing about that, as I recall, was that they had gotten that warning. Then they were in the building in Los Angeles when MJF went off and loved it. Yeah, yeah. So you know for sure they're watching. Yes, definitely. And 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 if you you want to uh, actually, you know, please the people that are it's whoever's coming and say, all right, such such department thinks you need to clean your language up. We're going to clean it up because without that, you know, uh, they can they can see that we're gone. I mean, they're not going to kill AEW, but they can sure kill, uh, you know, well, we're trying to give them the best times so or make sure they're on all the time, which has been the case. They have, uh, their television partners at this point have been, well, they've, you know, they're on T TNT as well as TBS. And uh, so, yes, in, in their position, uh, no matter how good the crowds are that they're drawing in the houses, uh People they really have to please are those people in the, in the uh, upper echelons of the network, and uh, and as those people keep changing, you know you're going to get somebody in here who uh, doesn't like 
front end was something to do with professional wrestling throughout their career in television. And that's all it takes to turn somebody, you know, uh, a little negative and all of a sudden, well, uh, we don't have a spot. To eat. I know we can't have them on the regular time, but they're just not on this week. Or, or you know, just little things like that can uh, tip the balance. Yeah, and if anyone has been following the overall entertainment industry, particularly in the last ninety days with respect to this merger, and maybe not putting two and two together or realizing that it was all part of the same company, everything that's been happening, if you like the superhero movies, with the DC universe where they finally made the Black Adam movie with Dwayne Johnson. And as much money as it made, it was still termed a failure because of the amount of money they put out and time that they had put into it. The fact that they had told Henry Cavill that it was okay to announce that he was back in the fold as Superman and having him make the cameo at the end of the movie only to find out that not only did he apparently at this point at least leave a pretty good gig in order to do that, then find out that the new hierarchy at DC, which is under Warner Brothers Discovery, decided they don't want to use Henry Cavill. So the guy left his very successful gig at Netflix to come back as Superman, only to find out that the new hire they just made didn't want him around. So now he's jobless, which, of course, obviously he'll only be unemployed for about 15 seconds. But still, sure. the, the fact that the, these things are changing so fast and the real schizophrenic nature of this company as they attempt to get, uh, attempt to get their bearings here and put a plan in place can leave AEW, you know, potentially in the wind. You can't discount that possibility. Sure. And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but that takes us back to talking about you have two companies, you want to get the second company on television, so maybe this would be the smartest move is to have a separation in terms of the product as, as seen by the public because, uh, you know, uh, it's it's wrestling, so it's like okay, a doctor show is red hot. So as we all know, every network's going to end up with a doctor show, but but they're all not going to be used. And and the same network isn't going to run ten doctor shows because that's too much. So my point is, if you're looking for them to help you, or if not, put you on one of their major networks with uh, Ring of Honor, is to help you, you know, uh, partner up with somebody that will, you know, be a benefit. Then the point is. They know it's a wrestling show. They know who's producing it, who they've had uh, success with. Okay, but do we want the same product twice? And my guess would be no. So, I would agree with that assessment. Well, it's you know, it's like uh, you're as a disc jockey. uh, You obviously have a theme, uh, and then the company behind your your station pushes that theme on your network, on your station. Uh, but the corporation is not going to do every station they have as R&B or as whatever, right? I mean, they're going to diversify. Absolutely. So that's, that's what, you know, I, I always try to compare things as you do uh, with not necessarily wrestling with other wrestling shows, but with other products that are in the same uh, sphere of uh, entertainment and, maybe use the same, you know, like in this case, television. So, yeah, I, I think it would be uh, very beneficial to them overall to kind of separate. Plus, if they decide to make Ring of Honor a touring once they get to the television, again, uh, you're going to have to go to the same towns that AEW is going to go to at some point in time. And uh, it just would make more sense that if you're working with a 
to go with. So, yeah, I think in that case, diversity is is certainly uh, the byword, wouldn't you? I would, yes. And, you know, one of the themes of that first quarter we talked about was the locker room in AEW as compared to WWE and who wanted to go where. Well, this second quarter of the year uh, revealed, uh, probably at least, many would say some chinks in the armor of the VPs as WrestleMania saw the returns of not just Steve Austin into the ring, which is monumental in and of itself, but VP Cody Rhodes walks away from that opportunity to remain in the hierarchy of AEW and featured on television to come back to WWE and the shockwaves that essentially sent around the wrestling world and people starting to wonder about the state of AEW and what was really going on there. And for Cody, his return clearly at a much higher level than the one he departed at and one which was, unfortunately, I should say, cut short by injury less. But the impression that Cody made during the time he was here and the significance of his arrival. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we talked about enough on our show uh, during the uh, latter part of, of Cody's run with AEW is what the hell is he doing, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. or what are they doing with him? And uh, you're right. None of us knew what his first appearance with uh, WWE, returning to WWE, obviously, you know, they had sat down and, and they he knew he was going to be used well. But when they banged him out of the box the way they did, I mean, he set the place on fire. And like you say, so sad. You know, they came up with that damn injury so uh, so quickly. Uh, but you know what? Making people want something is not the worst thing in the world either. So I would guess when he comes back, whenever that's going to be, that's going to pop uh, WWE's numbers as well. Well, you know, at the time we talked about the possibility of him being the one to end Roman Reigns' uh, historic run, really, in the modern era as WWE and Universal Champion. I have not seen anything since Cody's been away to dissuade me from that opinion. What about you? No, not at all. Not at all. And, uh, you know, uh, the point is, too, they, uh, they're they giving him time to, to really, to apparently, and, and, and which is needed, I think. Um, no, I, I think they will, they will push him to the sky. Plus, at this point, we've got completely a different uh, management Yes, so. a story we are pretty close to getting to, but you're right, because we had seen some stories about Vince wanting, uh, the, allegedly that Vince wanted him at a high level, but didn't, but still didn't necessarily see him as the champion. Well, perhaps Paul Levesque feels differently. We'll find out. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and honestly, I'm looking forward to his return to see, because, uh, yeah, given a, a good heel to work with, uh, the kid performs, and, and let's face it, uh, one of the best damn So in terms of uh, Cody, obviously, that's something that could be a big positive for WWE and wrestling in general in 2023. But here during the second quarter of 2022, not only did Cody Rhodes jump ship from AEW to WWE, you saw some other folks walking out of the building, namely Sasha Banks and Naomi, uh, with issues about the way they were being used as singles, despite the fact that they were WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. So a uh, question to you, or questions to you, about their walkout, as of this moment at least. That situation has still not really been settled, at least in the public square. Uh, we have had and heard rumblings that Sasha perhaps has negotiated an amicable exit from WWE, and that's part of the reason she's got this deal 
allegedly, in New Japan Pro Wrestling that uh, will start at the first of the year. But how their leaving has affected the company, in your view, if it has at all, all the Sasha stuff we have been hearing in recent months and other things she's been doing, like modeling and doing all sorts of other things in addition to training in different places, including Mexico. And, you know, maybe walking into AEW. After all, Soraya is still in need of a partner in that uh, tag match that's going to be, I believe it's the 11th of January, where she's got a mystery partner against Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And how, if it's Mercedes Monet, as it looks like she may be known, it's going to be a really big deal. And if it's anybody else, that could tank the night for AEW. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, of course, that is the, uh, the buzz, isn't it, that it's going to be Sasha. And, you know, uh, Sasha, them walking out tells another story about the wrestling business at this point in time. Uh, as money grows, as the talent gets more money, now we're hearing what a, a basic performer in WWE now is, is on a downside of quarter million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I could get by on that, Dick. I don't know. Hey, you. listen, I'd like to be pretty basic. Thank you. Opening match for me. Yeah, that may be basic, too. But my point is that, if you know, and of course somebody's, but if the these performers are smart enough to invest and put money away, then they become like such in a position where I can say, you are not treating me right. I'm taking a hike. Realized probably 10 years ago that wouldn't have been the case with, with a, a huge percentage of the WWE talent, right? Because uh, I, I know a lot of the, uh, the preliminary guys in, had to pay for their own uh, rent-a-cars, had to pay for their own hotels, you know? And, of course, again, at, at a quarter bill a year downside, I can afford a rent-a-car or a hotel bill here and there. In fact, it's great because it's tagged right up. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the case now. You, it's not like you're in slavery and you're bound to your master, to the company. Uh, you know, if you've saved your money, uh, you have a cave. You know, you can walk. Well, you know, let's face it. Uh, Edge and Christian went into retirement, actually, right? I, I'd say Christian's out of retirement, basically out of boredom. Not necessarily that he needs the money. Yeah. But uh, you know that you know that has not always been the case with this industry. But now it is. So, yes, you can, if you've been in the, uh, the higher uh, echelons of, uh, of a promotion, whether it be WWE or AEW or whoever, uh, if you, you know, if you have that uh, savings and investments behind you, uh, you have a lot more freedom. And I think that uh, everybody needs to look at that, too. Well, with respect to Sasha walking away and some folks being very upset with her about how she's being uh, walking out about complaints with respect to how she's been used and what have you, and it not being the first time she's been very vocal or public uh, about uh, her unhappiness with the way she was seen in the company. And then we saw some stories in the last few weeks about her wanting the kind of money that Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair are getting and being offered something significantly less than that. At least that's what was being reported. I would just, uh, you know, in terms of money, I, I would rank her in, in terms of importance up there with those two. I don't know that she gets the same, but she should be in the same ballpark, I would think. And I would understand her being unhappy if it was significantly less than the two we've already mentioned. But with respect to uh, her issues with how she's been using her being unafraid to be vocal about it, you know, Dax is somebody we all love of FTR fame. 
and you, he's got a new podcast out as well. But it's really interesting to me that somebody like Dax, who we all see as, a, as an incredibly hard worker, a guy who takes this so seriously, who wants to be great, and you respect his opinion, his work ethic, and everything about him, he fully backs Sasha Banks a thousand percent, and he fully backs CM Punk a thousand percent. So take that into consideration when you think of those two as being impossible to deal with. Sure. Well, and, and you know, here's the thing: any of us, well, this is, you realize wrestling is just a whole different job. It's not like you're working at a bank or you're working here or there. Um, for the most part, I have to say that that those who have been pushed and, pu- and pushed hard. Uh, who have you know a few years of of success and experience behind them? They tend to know how they best what they've done best for you, and what they feel their limits are and their you know expectations for themselves. And so it's not you know that's the other thing too. Now with social media, uh, if if you say I don't like this, then everybody knows that it becomes a, a situation and a, and a big thing to talk about. Uh, professional wrestlers that have been used on main event have been that way for years. I, I you know it's, uh, example, Wahoo McDaniel, uh, who drew money in Minneapolis, who drew money in Texas, who drew money in Charlotte, who drew money in Florida, who drew money every place he went. There was nobody that knew better how to use Ed McDaniel than himself. And, uh, now as a booker, I never thought he was exceptional because I don't think he actually saw the overall picture, but as how how do we use Wahoo to draw money with a good heel? Ask Wahoo. So yes, you know she has to have some perspective of what she feels, and of course uh, we're talking about television now and, and huge house shows. So Sasha would know she drew fifty cents or fifty billion uh, on on that particular day, but she also knows the you know the reception they're getting and and. Uh, and she, and she would probably be the person I would want to sit down and say, if we're planning on pushing her, or or Charlotte, or, or you know whoever it happens to be at that level, uh, who do you feel you have the best matches with? And that, that that's a big part of it too, is putting two people together that uh, complement one another. And and again, as uh, well, it's like I you know I know who I drove through money with in, in the Knoxville territory. So if you're asking me and we're going to push program less, I'm going to tell you, this guy or that guy. Uh, so, yeah, that all comes into play as well. And so it's not like well, she's, a, she's a diva, she, you know, she's a, a problem. She's voicing her opinion on what she's aware of. And you've got to look at, you know, do we all have egos and everybody's been used on top today? Of course. Absolutely. But the point is, they also know their comfort zone. They also know how they are best utilized and how they feel. Uh, I can give Dick Sosa a gimmick uh, as a uh, funeral director, but he's an R&B DJ. Uh, okay, but I'm paying him good money. Okay, so Dick's going to take that money. Am I going to see 100% of this guy's talent? I don't think so. Makes sense to me. I mean, you would think, well, that's the biggest thing I think, uh, even as a fan that I have seen over many years is that, and this is far from the only industry that does this, but you know, we have a tendency to make things harder than they need to be. You know, we we will walk into situations that should be A, B, and C and overcomplicate them. And 
I think that's what happened here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, disagree with you at all. And of course, we don't have privy to actually the whole thing backstage. But if if I'm worried about a particular section of my talent roster that's going to be uh, combative and behind a caddy, it's going to be the women's division, right? It's not going to be the guys so much. But realize every person on that roster, I don't care if he's if he or she is doing a job every night and looking at the lights or if they are the big main event and the, and the top draw like Roman is currently for WWE, they're going to have opinions of how they are best used. And they obviously, if once they are utilized as a top talent, that's where they want to stay. That's where the money's at. Their downside is good, but obviously there's extra. And so, yes, if they're, now are there divas and, uh, idiot guys who, uh, you know, uh, you know, who don't pay attention to that actually and just want to be bigger and bigger and bigger. You got to know your own limitations. And so, yeah, there's, uh, you know, somebody comes to me and I'm in an angle. What do you think about this? Well, I don't, I'm not real comfortable with that. Could we just alter it a little bit? Sure. You know, and, and that comes down to uh, a, a writer or a booker or whatever you want to call them at this point. Um, you know, they've got to have a little flexibility as well. They're going to get, come to you with a basic story or a basic uh, angle idea. And uh, you may say, well, yeah, I'd like it up to this, but here I think maybe we need to switch a little bit. It comes down to, and I've always felt that as a booker, but, but you know, when I was utilized as a top talent anywhere, uh, the, the smart booker sits down with those people and you know, what do you think, Vic? We've got this plan. Well, less, I like that, but, you know, maybe, yeah, okay. Uh, be flexible, whether you're the promoter, the booker, or the talent. Know your limitations, but be flexible enough to incorporate a little bit of every, and that way the politics of the thing uh, doesn't, you know, create problems like we're talking about right now. One last quick thing from the second quarter of the year, and then we'll turn our attention to the final six months. And it's really quick because it plays into the third quarter a little more heavily. It was during the second quarter of the year, less that Stephanie McMahon took a leave of absence from the company. And the stories from Stephanie, or at least her press release about it, talked about spending more time with the family. We had also, however, heard some stories at the time of uh, people taking shots at her on the way out or perhaps in Vince's ear about the uh, need for Stephanie to disappear for a little bit. Have no idea how true or true uh, true that is or isn't, but it was quite a stunner to see Stephanie leaving the building, but maybe even more stunning, as we'll see in the third quarter of the year, uh, how quickly that leave of absence came to an end. Yes, really. The turnaround was uh, pretty dramatic, too. Uh, yeah, well, you know, that's, uh, you know what? I have never had a crossword with Jim Ross, who I worked under when I was with WWE. I never had a crossword with J.J. Dillon, who I worked under when I was with WCW. Of course, I had history with both these guys, um, you know. But I'm. Sh but how many people have I heard say J.J. was this or or or, or J.R. was this or that? And when the truth of the matter is, um, they're just mouthing the words of the guy above them. So, uh, you know, yes, her last name is McMahon, but that doesn't necessarily mean that 
what she's saying to you was her own necessary, her opinion could have been her dad's, could have been her husband's. Uh, so yeah, if you find me an executive in a wrestling company that doesn't have some uh, negative fans or, or people on that roster that don't really care about them, I want to see it. <laughs> if you come up with that person, but you know that's that's just the nature of the beast, I believe. Don't you? Oh, without question. That exists everywhere. It's just funny in this particular situation how all of a sudden we started hearing people bad-mouthing, allegedly, anonymously, of course, Stephanie on the way out. All of a sudden, this person who was too incompetent to hold the role she had is now back in a bigger role. So make that make yeah, sense. Well, yeah. My own personal uh, uh, experience with Steph uh, is pleasant, respectful. Uh, of course, you know, she wasn't calling the shots for me at, at HWA, and I had nothing to do with, you know, her job within the main part of the company. So, but yeah, she, uh, I was, uh, I'll tell you the truth, the first time I ever spoke to Steph was in uh, catering, uh, and I, you know, went up and said, uh, I didn't want to introduce myself, and she said, why? I said, excuse me, she said, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and we're happy, I'm happy to have you aboard, and, and like I say, we ne I never had a chance to really communicate with her on a, a great level, but, you know, uh, the times that we were, you know, around one another and had, had verbiage, uh, she was fine, you know. But again, um, well, it's one man poison and another man's uh, aphrodisiac, right? So, awesome. again, we're talking about human beings and personalities, right? And those things can run hot and cold and vary on the moment or who says what. So you never know. Exactly. We're heading into the third quarter of the year as we take a look at 2022 hit Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly. Before we do that, in other words, the second half of the six-month period here, uh, why don't we use this as a little bit of a halftime lesson, let everybody know where they can get some DVDs and some videos, uh, particularly of HWA, where I'm sure there was nothing but locker room harmony because that's just the way you <laughs> well, ran things. You know what? Uh, I found out about some locker unharmony <laughs> after the after the creator of that had already gone, right? And one of the things I always said, well, if someone had mentioned this to me, all right, I would have tried to straighten it out. But yeah, I mean, well, again, when you when you've got all these uh, this testosterone in one place and all these egos in one place, you're you know you're going to have some problems, obviously. But yeah, HWA, um, well, uh, you know. Uh, the Lost Developmental Tapes, that's the HWA, Volumes 1 and 2, uh, six, six hours of, uh, of content, interviews, uh, matches, uh, extras. Joe Dombrowski and I do uh, both the shows. They're both their two DVD sets. Uh, Joe does most of the play-by-play, -play and I, you know, bring the historical behind-the-scenes type of stuff and, and, you know, critique and the talents and and that, and that sort of thing, but you can get those at joe-dombrowski.com or prowrestlinglibrary.com, and I'm sure you'll enjoy them as, uh, as well. And, of course, then there is the uh, Hillman uh, Memorial, uh, the four shows from 98, 99, 2000, 2001. That is a four-DVD set with 15 hours plus of content, uh, interviews of so many of the talent that were on those shows. And, you know, for the younger fans, what the hell is he talking about, the Brian Dillman Memorial? These shows were one of a kind. Uh, once Brian had passed, the first show was, uh, was the smaller of the three, but then we had 
on those shows the three major companies in the world for professional wrestling, WCW, WWF, or slash WWE, and ECW, and it was the only show or building in the universe, for that matter, that you could see all these guys under the same roof, and some great matches, and great interviews, and so forth, and of course those could be had at, at uh, filmandshow.com, or the two uh, uh, email addresses I mentioned earlier, joe-dabrowski.com and progresslibrary.com. So, yeah, I think uh, if you're a fan of the, this modern history, uh, you, you would enjoy the Pillman uh, without a doubt. So Stephanie taking that leave of absence wrapped the second quarter of the year as we move into quarter three from July through September. We have not just the biggest professional wrestling story of the year, but maybe in a lot of ways the biggest professional wrestling story in decades, which is the departure of Vince McMahon from WWE, his own company, the one he really reshaped and I can't say created. Obviously, that belongs to his father, Capital Wrestling Corporation, originally before becoming the WWWF and what we have now. But, I mean, he took that business and made it into something completely different, for better and for worse. But it's a conglomerate worth billions of dollars today. And that's all, largely at least, uh, thanks to Vince McMahon's vision but it was the lack of vision in the last few years that had gotten a lot of people unhappy with the way the company was being run, particularly what we saw on television. What we didn't know is that his departure would be expedited by his inability, in part at least, to use his own money to pay off various women for alleged inappropriate encounters less. Yeah, actually. And, and of course, you know, uh, if this were still the 60s or the 70s, uh, these companies were all privately owned. All the wrestling promotions were privately owned. But WWE is a publicly held stock. And so all this adverse publicity did nothing to help the stock. And obviously, you, you, I'm sure they heard from some of the majority stockholders. I mean, other than the, you know the McMahon family and, and the people like that. So, yes, there was only one way to go with this. And uh, Vince's uh, social life caught up with him. And, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, again, you know, it, uh, whatever that corporation happens to be, uh, Procter & Gamble, Ford, uh, General Motors, whoever, uh, the same type of thing happened to the president of one of those companies. Uh, they're going to find some way to hustle that person out of the limelight. And so, yeah, uh, this is uh, Vince's social life got the best of him here. Uh, if you knew Vince, this wasn't something that, oh my God, that really happened. Yes, it did. I mean, it was, you know, it, it, internally, uh, you know, Vince's dalliances were, kind of, you know, quite uh, well-known, I think. But the fact that, uh, what, was it $13 million? I believe a little more than that afterwards, but the I think the initial arg, uh, articles, excuse me, from the Wall Street Journal were in that particular area. And then, of course, here near the end of the year, we had another, uh, I don't know if it's an official lawsuit at this point. Actually, it might be from uh, a referee. Well, she was known professionally as Rita Marie. Forgive me, I do not remember her actual last name, but now she was something in the area of asking for, I believe, $12 million for what she alleges happened 
in uh, the 80s when she was a referee in WWE. So these accusations and potential lawsuits or at least people looking to uh, get some money from Vince for what may have happened to them in previous years is still not over, even though Vince has been reportedly musing about trying to find his way back in. Yeah, that's true, too. You know, and I might mention here that uh, realize Vince uh, transcends he he got his start in this business during the territories with his dad, and his company actually wasn't when he bought his dad out. It was a territory; it was not the world over. And so, uh, a lot of these things that we're talking about that you know he got all this adverse national publicity about would have been kept under the under wraps, uh, you know, in the '60s or '70s because. The wrestling promotion was a privately owned entity, and the things of uh, the owner or whatever, you know, were, I mean, they just weren't on every website. There there weren't any websites, you know, or or, uh, newspapers or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's a whole different time, and uh, his social life uh, seemed to transcend both, but it wasn't for the better. And... Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is, I think that the, the family, whoever, uh, when they realized that when this thing started, uh, this adverse publicity with Vince, uh, the stock took a hit. Then once Vince stepped stepped away and stepped and Hunter and uh, the other con, uh, Nick, uh, you know, basically put in the driver's seat, uh, stock picked back up. But just the rumor. Yes. Vince was interested in coming back and the yeah. stock dropped again. It did. That's true. So I'm not Vince. I don't have that kind of money. But if I see where me trying to come back is going to cost me millions, I think I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Vince uh, may or may not have plans on returning in 2023. And that would probably be the biggest story of next year. But there were yes. some other things that happened between the uh, months of July and September this year. Uh, we had, well, let's stick with WWE real quick and then we'll turn to AEW. You had some returns. Uh, Karrion Cross came back to WWE. Johnny Gargano made his return. And uh, we'll get to the AEW arrival uh, after we discuss these two real quick, Les. Karrion Cross came in with a lot of fanfare near the top of the card. And ever since then, it feels like, well, I think they've recently hit the reset button with him and what he has going on now with Rey Mysterio. But after they right. put him in the top mix and didn't really go all the way with him, he's just sort of disappeared again. Yeah, and the goofy mask and, and uh, all the nonsense. Uh, I, I, well, you know, there's a case. They were pushing a guy like crazy in NXT. They bring him up to a main roster. And I'm thinking, what the hell are they doing? You know, I mean, uh, it was just, it was almost like they were trying to kill him. And uh, his wife wasn't part of that. I mean, you know, it just, it it wasn't good. Uh, I think we all realize that. You didn't have to be a a, a person person in this business for years like myself uh, to realize, man, I don't know where they're going with this, but it's not going to end up being good. So, uh, you know, he disappeared. But, yeah, I I think that's one of the uh, smarter moves because the guy's a talent. There's no two ways about it. And uh, what they brought him back. And, uh, the, you know, the, the, the push is, is, is good. But, you know, and that's the thing I think we need to understand or fans need to understand, I know you do and I do, uh, is 
no matter how physically good a talent is, if all the pieces of the puzzle doesn't fit, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, I have the greatest mechanical, physical, professional wrestler in history on my roster, but if I don't put him, match him with the right people, in the right storylines, and get him over the right way, it doesn't matter. He's not, you know, no matter what I'm paying him, he's not going to pay that back in terms of what he draws. And I think they were just, you know, uh, I don't know why they started in their, well, I do, I, I had heard a rumor that Cross had uh, vocally mentioned that he wasn't being used right or, or wanted to be used a certain way, I'm not sure. And I'm smart enough to know that in that company, you, you go in and you sit down and you wait to hear what they have in mind before you have any comments to make at all. So that might have been the reason. Because that's one thing that uh, Vince was never bashful about doing is punishing you publicly for your uh, saying the wrong thing or wanting the wrong thing at the wrong time. So that could have been part of the deal there, too. But yeah, and, and uh, now I, the Gargano thing, I love Johnny. As you know, he, he wrestled for me in the tournament in L.A. in 2012 and 2013. And he's an Ohio boy, so I got to love him even more. Uh, but he's a hell of a talent. I'm not sure about this, the whole thing that started with the biz and, and that deal. But uh, yeah, he's up there. And uh, the main thing is, is if he's happy with his situation, happy with the money, I think I can speak for everybody in the wrestling business. You get to a certain point, but your mind always says, I'd love to be a step hider, or my talent's worth a step. You know, uh, I think I probably think I'm better than a lot of people think I am, and you probably think you're a better disc jockey than a lot of people think you are, but, I mean, that's, that's human nature. So uh, I just wish the best for John and his wife as well. Uh, Candace, uh, you know where they met was in California. Wait, uh, at that tournament? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't. They weren't. They didn't, they didn't start dating till after that. But yes, Candace. She was living out there, and she she makes some of the greatest cupcakes in the world, too. By the way, <laughs> I mean, she does. But that you know how how on the independence, uh, the the guys and the girls bring gimmicks and stuff to sell, right, to pick up extra money. And she brought. She made these great cupcakes, and and that's when I was as a, as a. Uh, a guest coach at the PC a couple of years ago when I ran in John and we were t uh, catching up. And I, first thing I said about, uh, is Candace still making those cupcakes? He said, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's where they first met. But, uh, yeah, I, he's a hell of a talent. He really is. And, uh, you know, that doesn't always mean that you get the right storyline initially, but, uh, yeah, I, he's, uh, if he's happy with it, I'm happy for it. That's the main thing, I think. But, yeah, I, I think we saw, and uh, with the change in the administration, uh, <clears throat> we saw some, <clears throat> excuse me, some marked differences in the way some of the talent was used. And I'm afraid we're going to get to the fourth quarter where we're going to find out that some of the guys who we wish would have been changed aren't. Right. <laughs> You're probably right about that. But, you know, we did sell that aspect short in talking about how big a story it was of Vince being run off. We did not spend any time after that. I moved on to our, our new arrivals. And that actually just reminded me because one of the hallmarks, at least so far, of Paul Levesque in charge of the company creatively is people coming back, return after return after return. 
Uh, your thoughts on Paul Levesque and his relatively six months at the helm of WWE Creative? Well, I, you know, I think like any other human being, he's scored some big hits. I mean, some, you know, he's done some po- very positive things. And then there's some that, you know, whether they work out for the company, I'm not personally, uh, you know, I, I have no problem with Bray Wyatt wrestling. I just have a problem with fiends and nonsense like that. And apparently that's where they're, you know, regardless of who's at the helm, that's where they're going with him. Um, but, you know, my stance on comedy and, and some of the special effects stuff, it, it just, it's not needed necessarily. And he's, he is a damn good talent. When they, when they first brought him on board, uh, you know, with the, the promos and the two guys behind him and all, uh, I was, I mean, that, his promos were, you know, Fascinating, and it was it was something new. But the whole fiend, and then uh, him dying and, and melting, and or whatever the hell, I'm not interested. And and I would, you know, and I think, and again, this is only an opinion. Um, after you've seen it, you've seen it. Do I need to see it again? No. But uh, you know, I I think that's the other thing too. I think with Hunter, I know this. I don't know Hunter that well, and again. Uh, he and I have never sat down and had a, a long conversation as you and I have on one show. But um, I know this. He he is a student of old school, if that's what you want to call it, because I know uh, when my dear friend Harley was still alive uh, and he and the steamboat and I were doing the, the training camps and all, Harley mentioned that Hunter would call him and say, you know, I was just watching this match of you and so-and-so and wanted to talk about it and, and get Harley's feedback. So, uh, this guy understands the history of the business and where he's come from and where the business has come from. And so I, I feel <clears throat> hopeful anyway that he's going to instill some of that. And I, I But I think also that as a businessman, uh, you know, that he's probably going to say, well, uh, you know, he's looking at numbers and saying, okay, the, the Bray Wyatt thing, we can, we'll, take him this deep into it, maybe we won't do the movie thing or, you know, all that's the, he won't die again or whatever. But I think he's experienced, he's at a point, I think, where now he's got the freedom to experiment. I think that's what he's doing. Well, let's turn our attention here in the third quarter of the year to happenings in AEW because things really took a turn uh, during the summer. We had the return of Soraya to television. Obviously, her contract with WWE had expired. She made her debut at AEW Grand Slam, which was a really big deal at the time and still could end up being something, particularly if we see her in the ring more often in 2023. But this was also the time of year where things really reached a boiling point between CM Punk, Adam Page, and the Elite. We also had CM Punk's injury, which caused John Moxley to reverse course. He was apparently poised to take some time off and was pressed into duty, became AEW interim champion. And we had the very interesting angle story leading into the pay-per-view where Moxley and Punk met on television and Punk was destroyed in three minutes or less to take the interim tag off of Moxley as champion. Punk, of course, regaining the title, but that pales in comparison to what happened after the show with the press conference of the confrontation in the locker room, the brawl, and everybody being sent home for a good long while. But you know, yes, uh, talk about high profile. <laughs> this, this, this views behind the scenes become almost a storyline. Uh, 
well, it was a story, but wasn't one that anybody was going to be one to be booked in. Uh, I, I think it's not. I don't know Tony Khan. Uh, you know, so it's not a so it's not a personal issue. Do I think he handled it wrong? Yes, I do. And and I'm not the only one. You know, and of course that that debate can go on till the day I'm put underground. But uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. It just wasn't handled properly, and and the hell of it was you. Well, I think you and I, even if we, I don't know how much we talked about it on air, but uh, off air, we both agreed. We knew who was coming back and who wasn't before it ever got, well, because we knew whose noses were in the right places. Executive vice presidents, right? So uh, were they at that? Yeah, I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say between them and, and uh, Omega and Punk and who was right and who was wrong. It was all bad. Uh, I think I feel sorry for my dear friend Ace because he, you know, he got uh, jobbed out uh, simply by being in the wrong place at the wrong time and and trying to you know protect his wife and uh, you know save uh, save his friend. So anyway, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was all ugly. I thought and bad business. And, and you know what? I can't tell you how many uh, casual fans said to me, ah, it's part of the show. Well, it wasn't, was it? <laughs> but, you know, I don't think we have to feel sorry for Philip for, for Punk uh, because uh, he's certainly a wealthy man and uh, he won't miss anything. But I think the company's going to miss a few, a few bucks here and there by not having him on board. But again, everybody has a part when I say it was handled wrong. He, part of that's his fault. Part of that's Tony Khan. Part of that is the Bucks, Omega, and whoever at, at, at that point. And uh, it just never should have never happened publicly. That was the biggest thing. I think if you, I know you'll remember, and if uh, anyone was listening to us, it's listening to us today. Back then, uh, I said it should have never happened on the air. And yes. I've been in Tony mm-hmm. Khan's position, uh, and and. Uh, CM went in that direction, I would have first said, we can talk about this later, and if I saw he wasn't going to listen to me, I would have pulled the plug and, and cut, you know, did the cut sign over my throat to my cameraman and said, we're not doing, uh, you know, the post-game uh, deal. And we would have taken this backstage, and I said, you know, look, I want to try to get this squared away. I, I want all your all you guys on my roster, but we're not going to do it publicly. We're either going to do it this way or we're not going to do it at all. And, of course, but again, this is, I'm sure, in his entire life, uh, as an executive with the, Jags, with the Jaguars or, or uh, owner of a soccer team, he didn't <laughs> had never been involved in anything like this. And there is a time when you can say someone might be too nice at the wrong time. And I think that would have been Tony Khan that night. Interestingly enough, between everything that happened with that brawl and the level of people involved, I think with a few months of hindsight, we can say the big winner that night was Chris Jericho. And unfortunately, <laughs> the, the losers may have in fact been the fans. You pointed to it uh, in terms of the idea that AEW is probably missing a few dollars in terms of pay-per-view buys. I would argue that they're also missing a couple of hundred thousand people since CM Punk disappeared, at least for his segments, because his segments were almost guaranteed a million plus, and you haven't had that 
stamp of approval guaranteed segment in a, in a, with the exception of the opening segment for the last few months. You know, at least one more in the millions could have made a significant difference in the overall numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yes, it was. And again, here here is a situation in the year 2022 of a billionaire fan uh, running a, a huge national company. Uh, is he going to make mistakes? If he don't, if he doesn't, then I'd say somebody needs to check to see if he's actually human and not a mechan- machine that somebody's talking through, because humans make mistakes and. Uh, and it's not the first he made, it was the most monumental, and it won't be the last, because he's, I don't, you know, it's not a, I don't know Tony Khan, as I said, the people that do know him that I'm, that are friends of mine, uh, tell me he's a nice guy, I'm sure he is, but I'm a nice guy, I think, sometimes, <laughs> and they're not going to let me run an NFL franchise, well, I'm a fan, I got the money, well, it don't matter, no. and that's, that's what I'm seeing there, you know? Tony Khan needs serious veteran help that isn't taking bumps in that ring because human nature tells me that the guy taking bumps is going to give you advice as good as he has is capable of. And when it comes to him, the advice is even going to be better. Don't you think? Without question. I mean, how would you, I mean, the idea of anybody, particularly in this company or this uh, industry, not being their own biggest advocate would be a shocker. Sure, sure, absolutely. And, and you know what? Of, of all those that are executive vice presidents, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I, and with Jericho being signed on it, and I don't know, they, I don't guess they've given him a title. And listen, I respect Chris. I respect his, his, uh, career, his legacy, his body of work. As you know, I've never been really happy with him, his heel and stuff in, in AEW. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got a, a situation now where I think we're going to see more of that. Uh, I think Moxley is the only guy here who's, John is pretty straightforward down the road. Hey, man, I want to work. I want to get in the ring. I want to do this. I want Will he be a benefit behind the scenes as a mentor? And, and that, yes, I think he will. Uh, because I think part of that is the lady that sleeps next to him at night. Because I think she, I have never met her, but the people that I know that know her, she's pretty level-headed. And, uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think this, this could create some more problems on down the road. But uh, who knows? But, yes, I, I think... And you mentioned the box, the box jumping, you know, it was going to take time off. He needed to break physically, mentally. We all do. And when the funk thing went down, he said, we need you to stay. He stayed. So, uh, yes, I, I think uh, he's earned the right to, to uh, have Tony Khan pat him on the head and say, hey, here's a bonus or here's this or here's that. Because he stepped up when he was actually wanting to take a break and go fishing. And with respect to that, that actually is a good transition into the fourth quarter of the year as we enter the home stretch here at Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly of our year in review. From October up to this very moment, uh, well, yes, there was some more AEW disharmony behind the scenes between Andrade and Sammy, 
A locker room apparently no longer the happiest place on earth, Les, uh, especially if you get to Twittering. Uh, Sammy Isn't that amazing? Yeah, had some uh, unhappy or unkind things to say about Andrade. Andrade says, I don't do this Twitter thing, but I will Twitter all over your face when I see you again. And uh, he was true to his word, which got him suspended. And while he's been away, he's uh, had surgery on a torn pec, same injury as Cody. So we wish him the best in his recovery. Uh, and let me say about, about him yeah. and Sammy about this, okay? I, I have spent, uh, boy, I, you know, I celebrate my 62nd anniversary in this business back in July uh, 4th. Uh, I'm about respect for the veterans. I paid that respect. When I was a rookie, when I and for years afterwards, I mean, if somebody had been there long ahead of me, didn't matter if I was there ten years, they, they'd been there fifteen. Then that was they they had my respect, even if we weren't personally of the same, you know, political stance or anything. Uh, somebody needs to sit Sammy down and explain that to him. And, and it's a shame that Andrade didn't get a couple good shots in to do that very thing, because back in the day, that's what, how he would have been taught respect believe it or not. And I realize it's a new era, it's a new time, and we don't get physical. We don't. Somebody should mention that to the Bucks and Punk. But anyway, uh, yeah. Navarro, uh, irritate. He could, he's barking at this guy like he's going to say it. Andrade was in this business, son, when you were in grade school, okay? So get, get a grip. And I think that's right. And, and again, if I'm Tony Khan, I want make these points to my locker room you know if you're just getting your feet wet in this business and this guy uh, comes to you and said you know I, I you might try this in your work and he's been at it 15 years or 10 years or whatever and has a has a legacy and a track record you listen well I'm Sammy you're Sammy nobody and I'll tell you the truth I saw quite a potential with him three years ago I don't see that today He's too busy sucking tongue with his old lady and chewing gum. Uh, his matches, it, now you tell me legitimately what you think, but do you think you've seen anything that equaled his matches of three years ago in the last year? No, not at all. If anything, you might vote him as the most stagnant talent in AEW who's been seen on TV with some level of regularity. I agree with you. There was uh, so much upside to him, and, and there still is but someone who has neither progressed nor regressed. He's just sort of right where he was. Yeah, yeah. And and that's that's his fault. You know, he's had the op- He's been in the ring with some guys. If he just realized who he's in there with and say, this is a learning period. But, you know, that's the thing. You know, you've heard me say, I'm still learning. After 62-plus years, I mean, there are things that I can still pick up on. And... When you stop learning, then it's time to uh, get off the boat. Uh, that's all, you know. But yeah, he's. Uh, he, I think. Well, you know, and I, I realize young guys go through this where well, I must be a star. That guy cheered me. This guy has my autograph. Uh, they, I got my hand raised two weeks in a row. Uh, I'm a star. Okay, but you can be unstarred immediately as well, and realize in our business. I'm only as good as the guy I'm locking up with. So when you create situations like that, uh, you know, and like I said back then, that was all over uh, Andrade stiff. I don't have a clue. I've never locked up with Andrade. But had I have, 
and we'd never worked against each other before. And I thought I'd go up say, uh, you know, we lay him in, if he said, "Hey, give him back to me," you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him back to him. I'm not going to say, "Hey, man, I'm a badass." And a, Sammy created the problem bigger. And again, I never back in the '60s and '70s when I was wrestling in ring. We didn't have social media to, to get, get badass on, right? Uh, somebody told, said this to me the other day. Social media has created more badasses than this country's ever had at one time. Facts. And uh, Amen to that, brother. Well, also in this final quarter of 2022, we had the return to WWE of Bray Wyatt, which we discussed in the previous segment in discussing Paul Levesque and all the returns he has uh, brought back to WWE. But we also had, since we were talking about John Moxley a minute or two ago, the fact that he signed a long-term big money extension, which apparently adds some behind-the-scenes duties. And as much more than an added bonus, his wife, Renee, has arrived in AEW, still has her podcast, and is a fantastic interviewer. And they are using her in the best way possible on this television show. So thumbs up for everything Tony did around John Moxley and Renee Paquette this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, like I say, I've never met uh, Renee's uh, a broadcast partner. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm slipping down. He's a really nice, he was with WWE uh, under a different name for a while. Um, I'm, I'm having a senior one more today. But anyway, uh, I first met him in Vegas at CAC, and we had a ball, he and I and Nigel, uh, a few years ago. But uh, anyway, he had worked with her, and, and uh, yeah, she's a pro. And they need not to do uh, to do uh, run-ins on every interview and stuff because she will get more out of these people that's of value instead of screaming and hollering and people shoving each other on promos. So, yeah, I think that's... And John, I think, as I said, he's... John's a pretty straightforward kid. Uh, not a kid, but to me he is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he and her both are of value to that company. And... Uh, you know, when it comes down, I think, to anything. You know, uh, you have a, a general manager at your station in New York. Uh, if he, he's going to listen to somebody, you just got to hope it's the right people. And I think going into 2023, that Tony Khan has got to realize everybody's got his ear, and some are going to blow a lot of bad smoke into it, and others are going to give him some good advice. And he's got to be able to uh, discern which is which. And that's not just in his in any business, but I'm saying this because boy, he's a promoter. He's got eight million dollars. I don't care. He's been in the wrestling business three years. In the wrestling business, I don't care if he's watched it a hundred years. He's been in it three, and needs a lot of help. And he just the point is to know who is actually going to be helpful and who's just being a politician. Amen to that. Uh, two things I did not have on my 2022 bingo card took place here in the fourth quarter of the year. One, Nick Aldis, who has been waving the banner for the National Wrestling Alliance really since its uh, return under Billy Corgan, has departed the alliance with apparently some bad feelings, unfortunately, between he and Mr. Corgan. And the other thing I definitely did not have in terms of predictions for this year, the return to television and wrestling, no less, not just on TV on a professional wrestling program, but wrestling of Jeff Jarrett, Les. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the guitar is back. You know what? Jeff, Jeff's a strong talent. He is. Uh, I hate. I hated the guitar ten years ago. I, I hate him more this year. Uh, it's past. And and I, I said on the show, 
to me, if I were to bring Jeff Jarrett back, uh, I'm going to work an angle where uh, he comes on a, a promo and uh, with the guitar, and in the midst of the promo, uh, breaks the guitar on a ring poster on the floor or something, and says, "Hey, I want to. This is my last run. I'm a veteran. I want to prove that I'm a veteran wrestler. This this guitar has got me a lot of places, but I'm putting it aside to show my talent, physical talent as a professional wrestler. I." I like I say, I, I thought the guitar was stupid 10 years ago, and I think it's even more so today. Uh, will he be a benefit otherwise? Yeah, he's second generation. His dad was a sharp guy uh, who I worked with and worked for briefly. Uh, so, yeah, I, and I think Jeff's a benefit. Jeff's, again, is to me more beneficial out of the ring and behind the scenes than he is, you know, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, He's, he looks pretty decent physical, but he's still, his age is catching up. And with my dear friend Chris Jericho, the same, you know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I say I think Jared can be a, a benefit, but I don't see uh, To me, I, I, it's not in the ring. Uh, but, again, if, if there's one thing that's been consistent in the year 2022 with AEW, it's running everything at 100 miles an hour. And when I said to a member of that staff six or seven, six months ago, probably, guys, everything's it's too crowded. You're pushing too much. What do you mean? I said, name me all the factions in your company. And I heard silence. And then, then he said, I get, what, I get your point. This is somebody working for them and somebody in the business and has been in the business a measurable amount of time and who has a, a solid background. So uh, that's that's the thing with him. He's, what I saw, is, I, I mentioned Wednesday night was, yeah, but there, well, there wasn't a, a run-in on every interview, just on a few. But, uh, you know, the run-in on every match, it's, it's at some point, you know, okay, less, hey, they're still doing this, that old man's I said, yeah, but at some point, it's going to get old. There's the, the element of surprise in our industry is your strongest weapon, especially more so today than it was 30 or 40 years ago. Because, well, I shouldn't say that long because it, it, people have been smart enough. But, that, you know, uh, people are, realize you have a show that the winner is determined and the outcome is determined. The point is misdirection getting them to that outcome. And that doesn't seem to be one of Tony Khan's strong suits. And it should be. It should be every everybody that's writing, everybody. Because, again, while we're at the end of the... To me, if I look back, if I have to make one sentence that pretty much covers the industry that I get to see, and, I, and of course, I, you know, I don't see impact. And, you know, there's some... You know, I don't... And they don't even get to the NWA because their new champion shouldn't be should have been, and I and I understand Nick Altus walking. <laughs> Believe me, um, but you know it's details and building a story. Those are the things that are lacking in the business today, for the most part. That stood us in such great stead years ago, and still will. Again, why? Well, because if you read a book, you don't start at page 400 and go backwards. And that 400 pages, if it's written properly with good care,
it shouldn't be. But details, uh, one of the things watching that show, I'm thinking, okay, uh, I just, I'm making a comeback as a baby face. And that's what I worked at predominantly, except for a few months in Canada one time, uh, all my career. Uh, okay, I'm going to make a comeback. Uh, how do I make a comeback? I, I sell for a period of time. And then when I make that comeback, and you take, I hit you a couple times or drop you or whatever, and you take a bump, do I turn to the people and make ugly faces and walk around and make sure the camera's catching it? Or do I come down on you and try to follow through? It is a show. But it doesn't have a substantial story in most cases. Am I making sense to you, I hope? You are, sir. And, and uh, I think that, you know, I had a uh, on. I mentioned uh, uh, cheap cheap spot, uh, cheapy cheap pops on on Twitter a, a while back, a few weeks ago or whatever it was. And some, I'm sure I say kid because uh, if they understood the business, they, well, those guys work hard. There's no such thing as a cheap pop. And I I didn't bother to answer because I there wasn't enough. You don't can't write enough on on Twitter to answer. Oh yes, there are a million cheap pops. Turn. Turn wrestling on today on any show, and you're going to see cheap pop after cheap pop. But that's exactly what they are, and they're not sustaining. And I think, and and while we're here at this juncture, to me, there is one faction that has carried the ball, and it's in WWE, and that's the Bloodline. If I have to pick a faction that that really I find substantial in AEW, it's going to be the Blackpool. Uh, I just wish uh, Daniels uh, Danielson was back in with uh, Moxley and, and uh, Cesaro, uh, Claudio. Excuse me, <laughs> okay. but uh, and I hope he will be. And I think they're going to miss Regal. Uh, but yeah, the you know that's that's solid. And I don't know what they're going to do in, in WWE tonight with that. But uh, the whole thing was, I'm not, I won't go through it all over again and, and carry it on in my conversation until the new year. But, uh, yeah, they're so, and, and realize this. If somebody out there can tell me who for the last two years has pulled you back to watch something and, it, and their character and their story has grown out of that, I'll shut my mouth. But, there is nobody else, is there, Vic? No, there is not. <laughs> you know, there's not. And it's not a case, well, I like this guy because he does 16 flippy flops. Okay, cool. That's what you spend your money. I'm talking about the industry from the inside. I'm not, you know, it's not what I'm a fan of. It's it's what I know is, is solid work. And, and it's Roman and that crew. And if I have to have a clown, Sammy's going to be, and Sammy's no clown, but there are a couple of clowns who wouldn't go there at AEW, who I'm not sure why the one is on the payroll at all. He can't work, can't talk, but hey, I want to get on that payroll. Can, you get, can I just be an old man sitting at ringside and get paid? I don't know. Hey, you know what? Uh, Stranger things have happened, I think, in that company. Well, that's true, too. But yeah, and, and when I say uh, building stories and details, again, if I'm making a comeback, the last thing I would do is knock you down, run 20 feet in the other direction, uh, walk around and be sure the camera's catching my ugly face. I'm going to be on you because that's what we're trying.
much of it. And, and if you're entertained by it, I'm cool with that. You know, uh, you know. But I, I think one of the worst storylines, if that's what you want to call it, is uh, sports entertainers against professional wrestlers because I have yet to see a difference in a match between the two factions. The sports entertainers wrestle just like the professional wrestlers, except one chews gum. I think. Yes, that that's probably but, about it. You've touched upon yeah. two of the last three things I've had on our docket for 2022, and we will circle back around to both briefly. But uh, the one other thing I wanted to make sure we mentioned was we saw a taste of it at WrestleMania and were impressed, but it was a tag team match. Logan Paul in a singles match at Crown Jewel with Roman Reigns just shocked us all, didn't he? Yes, he did. And I, uh, you know, you got to, most celebrity things are, a wash, man, they are on his face. They are not good. But yes, uh, he surprised the devil out of me. And I'm going to, uh, via uh, Drew Gulak, I'm going to take part of the credit. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which, for those who don't know, Drew Gulak has trained with me. And so, uh, let's face it, whether you like me or you don't, part of me rubs off on guys that train with me. So, um, yeah. So, I, uh, you know, this is like they talk about uh, Bill Belichick and football and, the, the, you know, these uh, coaches, head coaches that have worked under him. So, yeah, so that's why I'm taking part of that. But, yeah, yeah, I think the kid is, he's, he's hell on wheels. Uh, I was impressed. I was impressed. But uh, I say most, most celebrities are a wash, and he certainly wasn't. Yeah, and a potential, potential, excuse me, in 2023 to be a difference maker in his, uh, as long as his appearances are kept sporadic and meaningful, and they'll be more meaningful if they're sporadic. So, No, you're right, you're right. And, and I'm wondering tonight uh, what might happen with Cena making the comeback and uh, to work with uh, KO in the team match against Roman and, and Sammy. And I just hope this is not where they figure to separate Sammy from the bloodline because, man, it's going so well. I think, you know, it just, uh, but you had, mention those before we get out of here, a couple ideas that you had off of this match tonight. Oh, well, with respect to the bloodline, I thought that perhaps, uh, you know, they won't end it, at least Sammy's affiliation with them tonight. But perhaps since this is the first time he's teaming up with the big man and really wants to impress, something goes sideways and Sammy inadvertently causes Roman to be pinned for the first time in something like 800 days or more. And now that has everybody in the bloodline looking at Sammy and trying to figure out what's going on and being hot with him as we head into the new year. And if they still have plans on breaking him off in time for some WrestleMania matches, then perhaps tonight would be the start of it as opposed to the actual, you know, get, get to the beginning, middle, and end yeah. in one show. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah, that's, I, I like that. I really do. And, you know, we were talking about earlier about misdirection. And that is part, if you stop and look back and think about it, that is part of what made the bloodline. Because how many times just with the Sammy thing have you figured this is the end? Yeah. Right, they're going to kick his ass out. and there he, That's called misdirection for those young boys and girls listening who don't have never actually seen a worked wrestling match before. Uh, they're taking you in a direction. All of a sudden, you think, I got it figured out there, and they go another way. That's uh, the masters uh, of the industry that I've learned from have, have always prescribed to that, and I will as well. And I think that is part of what has made the bloodline uh, so strong. 
and, and so entertaining. And uh, so, yeah, and bringing Cena in for this one shot is, uh, again, another level of that. And and without knocking Sammy out of the box, I think that, uh, going into the new year and at least right up to WrestleMania, that bloodline is still going to be my, my pick for faction. Not only are they the faction of the year, but I think you can actually call them, in modern parlance at least, the storyline of the year. Because if you, and I did look this up, Sammy started kissing up to them in late April, not long after WrestleMania. And this thing has been going on with them and with Sammy since basically late April, early May, and they have carried it throughout the rest of the year. Name me something that has gone on this long in any other promotion. None. That's easy. I don't even have to stop thinking about it. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you can like WWE, you not like WWE, but from a, in, uh, from a professional wrestler's standpoint, from my eye view, uh, they are those guys for the things you've mentioned and I've mentioned in the segment. And uh, unless somebody's, the writers screw up there, they, I don't know who's right. But, you know, uh, I have mentioned, uh, I thought the bloodline were head and shoulders over every other faction. I mentioned that on Twitter a while back, and I even got a, a, a like from uh, B.J. James from Road Dog. So, and he's one of the writers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I must. And that uh, coming from the family he comes from, believe me, I I take that as a big compliment. But yeah, so yeah, and, and you know, I know we're getting ready to wind this up. We're getting close. I just hope the people that buy the tickets or will turn on the television are entertained. Uh, it doesn't all entertain me. I'll be very honest about it because I'm more traditionalist. Uh, but I still have some things that I can watch and, and really feel good about and uh, just get frustrated about the other things and whatever. <laughs> but I'm not buying tickets. But if you're, you're buying pay-per-views and, and tickets to house shows, if you're entertained, I will say this. That one thing, the fans, uh, I don't know if you call them fickle or just uh, adjustable, but I watch on AEW and one, uh, uh, we're cheering Joe on one minute and somebody else on the next. In one minute, it's, we're singing Jericho's song and we're hating him on the, So the fans are a lot more flexible than wrestlers this year, I think. <laughs> it does seem that way, doesn't it? It does. It really does. That is basically just about every issue that we wanted to tick off over the course of 2022 that went down and was newsworthy less. So now that we have completed our year in review, I'm sure there's someone who would be really upset with themselves if they ended 2022 without picking up the very first professional wrestling t-shirt. Uh, you think? I'd I slope anyway. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm I, st I still got mine. Uh, good for you. Yeah, what Vic's talking about is the Briscoe uh, Booster T-shirt, which was the first ever pro wrestling T-shirt on the market, uh, which was put out in 1972 by Jack and Jerry Briscoe and a guy named Les Thatcher. Art Lurk by Jerry the King Lawler. You still get a copy of that at Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm very proud of, of, of having, you know, uh, premiered the first T-shirt along with Jack and Jerry. And at some point, when we get the uh, the electronics worked out, I want to mention, too, that I'm going to be on with uh, Jerry and, and JVL uh, at some point on their podcast uh, on down the road. But, yes, uh, check out the T-shirt. And if you happen to be a Les Thatcher guy, you can get one of those T-shirts there as well. But uh, since we're wrapping this up, I want to say to everyone out there, uh, if, you're, if you're a listener with us, 
I, we so appreciate it. Uh, we realize that we're not the average or the normal uh, wrestling fan podcast, and uh, but our opinions are sincere, and hopefully, uh, you know, you enjoyed it and have learned something. And uh, we want to wish you a happy New Year. And if you're going out uh, on New Year's Eve, please be safe, travel safe. And Vic, all I can say is, my friend, you have carried my old ass for a year, another year. And I so appreciate it. I love you, man. And uh, you and the missus, uh, a great new year. And I can't wait to work with you in the new year. Every year I have the privilege of sitting under the learning tree. I get a little bit better. So we are both aiming on a very exciting and fun 2023 here at Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly. Brother, you know I love you back, and we're going to wrap up this final edition for 2022 by letting you know that we are grateful for any and all time you spent with us over the course of this year, and we're looking forward to talking to you again next week, which also happens to be next year. <laughs>